is Danish Dynamite, the Superliga podcast, brought to you by footballindenmark.com. Welcome to episode four of Danish Dynamite, the Superliga podcast. I'm Henry Nichols, and I'll be your host for the upcoming hour or so of Superliga chat. And we've got a top class episode in store. In part one, I'll be joined by Gisela Thorsen of Mediano to discuss all of the weekend's action and talking points. And in part two, I've got a conversation with Jay Kappis, father of Brombu midfielder Christian Kappis, as he talks about heading over to Denmark last weekend for the first time, actually, to see his son play for Brombu in none other than the Copenhagen derby. It's a great insight, and I think you'll enjoy what he has to say. I'd like to give a big shout out to the latest Football in Denmark Patreons, whose support really helps keep the podcasts and the website content coming. A massive thank you to Ian Hood, Bo Honore, and The Doctor. It is really appreciated. And if you want to join the assorted luminaries who hold the prestigious title of Football in Denmark Patreons, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash football in Denmark and sign up for the price of a coffee a month. And on top of getting early access to the 10 players to watch piece, I'll also pledge that if you're a Patreon and we're ever at the same stadium together in Denmark, the beers are on me. So a chance to make back all your money in one afternoon. I think it's about time we talk some Superliga. So without further ado, let's get into the show. After this musical interlude, which I should say, along with the title music, is created by my mate, the superb Rich Thrift. Let's get into it. Welcome to part one, and I'm delighted to be joined this week by Gisela Thorsen, a journalist at Mediano, and he's worked in football for, for a long time in Denmark. Gisela, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm pleased to be here. Well, let's get straight into it. And I thought that we'd do the games chronologically this week. So starting with the Friday night game, I wondered what you made of OB against Lingbu. Is this game more about OB's kind of resurgence in form, or is it more of a reflection of Lungby's kind of limitations with the a couple of key injuries and not really able to keep clean sheets? I would say both. I mean, Lungby just keep making these huge mistakes. Uh, we've seen it so many times this season, and it's basically what's killing them, um, too, too many mistakes. But still, you see uh, Obi, they were playing well in the first half. The second half was not very good. And that's why I don't think you can conclude that that Obel is just um, strolling and everything is good there. Um, but I mean, there's a lot of positive things to be said about uh, Obe, um after the start they had in this season. We were talking a lot about, okay, uh, would this be the season where uh, Obe would be relegated? Uh, and it doesn't look like that um, because they have made some key signings and also got some uh, key players back from injury. And right now, if you look at the last nine games, they're actually the informed team in uh, Denmark with uh, 18 points from those nine games. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I think in the first half, they looked really confident, really blew Lungby away. And that third goal in particular by by Tongia, I think he's been a really important addition. And just the, the way that he brushed the defender aside and, and finished so coolly, I think that... That's a confidence that I didn't necessarily see from Odense in the the beginning part of the season. That's right, but but I don't think that so much talk has been about Tonkia. I mean, this was the first time that he he like scored a goal. Um, there has been 
some doubts about him uh, within the fan community in in Odense when I've been listening to to the podcast. Um, I think I would also say Yankuba Minte about this uh, young guy from Gambia, uh, how well he's doing. It's, uh, it's been quite a revelation, and I think it's quite typical of the work of uh, Bjorn Westrom to um, sign these young African players. I think he did the same thing in uh, AIK in uh, Stockholm when he was there. So uh, I'm looking forward to see uh, how these young guys will uh, be doing. And also we need to mention the the youth department in Odense. It's going very well there at the moment. So um, yeah, it's looking good. Yeah, one player who perhaps hasn't played as much as I thought he would this season is Jakob Bruin. He he finished last season really strong and I thought that this would be the season where he really progresses and maybe has a, a season like Nikolai Valles and, and Sebastian Jorgensen had last season, but it hasn't really happened for him. I don't know I don't know if you have an opinion as to what's yeah, going on there. It's strange. It's strange. What they talk about is that his uh his lacking confidence. Um I mean, as you said, there were some very good signs. Obviously he's a very talented player. Um, but he didn't. Re- he hasn't really got the chance, or I don't know if you can say that, or he hasn't taken the chance. That might be uh, more correct, uh, depending mm. on the way you look at it. But it's strange. But his his. Uh, I think it's he's lacking confidence at the moment, and yeah, it's uh, you know those young players can get this uh, a little dip uh, when they they come into the team and then they go out again. And I think they have not given up at him at all. Uh, he's still a very good prospect, but uh, it is strange. Great player to have coming off the bench, though, I guess. Um, it is. Does this result more or less confirm Lungby's relegation, would you say? The gap is quite big now. They still haven't picked up a win. It is. I mean, it's very hard to to um, see how Lungby should, should come back. I mean, there are so many teams in front of them that are playing a uh, quite well. I mean, normally you would say, okay, it's Horsens. They have to um, get past in order to survive, but it's not only Horsens. It's also Olbow and, and the other teams down there. So, I mean, it's a long way for Lungby. And I mean, they're playing well in periods and you can see uh, some promising stuff. But then again, you look at the mistakes uh, they do. Uh, and I think they have also had an obvious problem between the post the goalkeeping situation is um, uh, its not looking good out there. If you compare to Odense, who signed Martin Hansen early in the transfer window after a very bad start, and Bernard let in some uh, soft goals, they really improved with this signing of Martin Hansen. Again, you saw on Friday, he had some uh, good saves, and there were people saying, okay, if it had been reversed with the two keepers, the result that might have been different. It might have been a, a Lungby win instead of... Uh, and I think also Alexanderson, he was very uh, clear about uh, this second goal, I think it was. That was a goalkeeping mistake. And what do you make of OB's top six prospects? You know, they're there now. Can they hang on for another, uh, another few weeks? It's a tricky situation, isn't it? I mean, uh, one or two bad results, they might be in the relegation scrabble again. Uh, and now they are in the top six run, um, but they need to. Yeah, I think it's like one, two, three more good results before <laughs> I, I would be uh, more confident because it's going to be tough. You know, uh, you also expect FC Copenhagen to grab a, a top six, and it's hard to see. I mean, 
if FC Copenhagen gets a place, if FC Midtjylland gets a place, then uh, who is the team to uh, miss out? I mean, Brøndby, they also have a saying, even though they are struggling a bit with the points at the moment. Yeah, it's going to be a fantastically tense winter break because there's still going to be a few games to play in the in the regular season uh, mm. when we come back. So I guess there are going to be lots of teams sweating over that Christmas period. And you, you, have, and you have the transfer window, yeah. which can also change a lot of things. I mean, I would expect Copenhagen to invest heavily in this transfer window. Um, I don't know what, what about Alba, what will they do? Uh, I don't think they are in the top six recognition at the moment but um, I mean to avoid relegation so I mean what happens in the winter break might be uh, quite exciting and uh, it can also give us a story about what will happen in, in the spring. Definitely. Well, let's move on to FC Copenhagen. They played Michelin this weekend. And, you know, this is traditionally, uh, you know, first versus second clash. And it was uh, it was anything but. I think it was sixth versus eighth. But still the two bookies favourites for the title, amazingly. And <laughs> what, once again, there was some Rooney magic to set up the opening goal. I think he's been a real breath of fresh air when he's come in. And a piece of individual brilliance as ever by Evander you know an incredible free kick I think the first thing that I wanted to mention is this game felt like there were a number of questionable decisions the Evander mm. goal we could see mm. on TV it looked like mm. it went over the line and there was a long wait to confirm that goal and then FC Copenhagen had a, a penalty not given the referee emphatically waved his hands and said no penalty a couple of yards away and that was reversed by, by VAR was this just a, a bad day out for the referee or it's a tough game to uh, be referee in this uh, Copenhagen uh, FC Michelin there was a bit of bad blood between uh, the players I would say but you're right I mean definitely we meet we uh, miss the goal line technology in, in Danish football that would solve the problem about the first or about Evander's goal and then you have the situation about the penalty and I mean there hasn't been a lot of talk about it, but I, I think we should talk more about the referee not seeing the penalty in the first place. Yeah, I, exactly. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, you could see from the moon almost. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he, he should see that. And I mean, the Tong Denmark is that, that our referees are, are not very good at the moment. Also, like we, we used to have, a lot of good referees, also Kim Milton Nielsen. I don't know, uh, yeah, in England, you know the guy who uh, <laughs> sent off David Beckham uh, in the World Cup in '98. Klaus Bolarsen was a very good referee. We had like referees competing, if I can say it like that, uh, with the best referees in the world. I mean, uh, Peter Mikkelsen should have had a World Cup final, I would say, in, in '90. We used to have these very good referees. Now, we don't have them anymore. I mean, you can just look at how many Danish referees are in the Champions League, are in the Europa League. None. So so it's obviously we, we have a problem in, in that sense. How does that get solved? Um, that's a very, very good question. I mean, some of it is political, uh, I would say. I mean, to have the right people in the right uh, committees to get your referees promoted there's a lot of politics in, in that world as well but also there must be something i don't know if it's education or if it's the environment or whatever it is but it is as if we don't have these um, very good referees anymore and there's so much talk about var also referees in, in Danish football at the moment. Uh, I don't think you can do a podcast about a round without talking about it because it seems like every weekend there's something. 
Yeah, there was a comment on Twitter. I, I forget who it was by, apologies, but it was basically saying that with the advent of VAR, it feels like referees and linesmen in particular are hesitating to make decisions because they know that there's mm. going to be a better look at it and they'd rather almost not make a wrong decision from the start. It feels like their role is becoming more and more sidelined uh, yeah. for the, the guys in the studio. Yeah, it's right. It's right. I mean, I acknowledge it's very hard to uh, referee a game uh, of to be a referee. Of course, it is. But I mean, we we can expect more uh, from them, and they're doing their best. And we have some young ones who are promising, but um, uh, it's it's not top notch at the moment. Well, in the end, the correct decision was made on that penalty. Uh, Victor Clayson stepped up in the 86th minute. And this was this was really, it felt to me like a real pivotal moment of FC Co's season. You know, if they score this, they, they beat their big rivals and, and make a big step towards the top six. And he puts the penalty wide. And you, you really again. feel... Again. exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah you, you really feel that... I don't know, perhaps the, the lack of striking options are costing FC Code. Cornelius is out injured, Babacar's out of favour, and so it's Clayson having to fill in. They don't feel like a massive goal threat at the moment, if I'm no, being honest. that's right. I mean, it was Harrison playing playing the false nine um, against Mitchell on, on Saturday. He was he was doing he was doing well in the build-up, and he's um, running a lot. And he's a, a good ball player, but, but you're right, he's not uh, the same threat as a, a proper number nine. Then you had... The other young Icelandic guy, uh, Oskarsson, coming in, who has scored a lot of goals in uh, youth football in Denmark. I think he's a record goal scorer in the under 19 and also in the under 17. I think his goal average is something like it's more than a goal uh, per game there. Wow. So yeah, he is. He's he should be a really really good finisher, and he also had you know the chances we saw in the cup against Hobo and against he against uh, Midtjylland in the last minute i mean he with the last touch he could have been uh, mm. been the big hero and i think it would have had a massive impact to to FC Copenhagen season because now they are looking back at yeah we are we are better now we are steadying the ship but still uh, we we don't win enough games it it this was the perfect opportunity to to uh, yeah to grab some points and also show FC Midtjylland that uh, FC Copenhagen are still in the running. And where do you see both teams looking to strengthen in the market? I think for, for Copenhagen, it feels obvious that they need a, a central midfielder. But what are the other positions you think both teams need to look at? I think there will be a major overhaul at Copenhagen uh, this winter. I mean, Jakob Nestrup has also indicated that there will be uh, changes about getting players out and uh, new players in, obviously. Um, a midfielder, as you say, Thomas Delaney. Uh, there's a lot of talk in Denmark about him coming back. Um, would be uh, a good signing. Um, maybe they need even one more because Stamenich is, is a talented guy. But if you want to, to win the championship, playing in the Champions League, I don't think he's ready to... Um, carry such a big burden as he is right now uh, so that would be a place um maybe in the central defense depending on the boilers and injury how how he looks uh, when when he comes back so there are places where they um they need to strengthen i think they they will do that fc Midtjylland, um they need a cover for sorry kabah up front um, i mean i'm a bit puzzled that they only have him as a real number nine uh, that puts some limitations on the game. I mean, when they change or substitute Kaba, 
it's a completely new way they play with with the three small guys if we can say that uh, up front with Dreyer, Isaksen and, and Sister. Yeah, I've actually been reasonably impressed with Kaba's like overall game, but mm. I, I think he, you know he's not a prolific goal scorer, is he? Uh, no, he's not. And I mean, the problem in, in the game in Park was that he wasn't set up really by his teammates, and he, he needs some service in order to shine. Mm-hmm. And they didn't provide anything for him. So I mean, he did what he could, but he's not—he's not like a yeah, not this kind of striker who okay, give me the ball and I'll do something. Uh, he's not that. Uh, he can score goals if he's assisted properly, but that didn't really happen in, in Pagan. Actually, it was a very, in many ways, a very disappointing game uh, from FC Midland, but a great result. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there are two teams where things are going rather better, and they played each other this weekend, Ranas against FC Norgeland. And I don't know if you saw before the match, there was this extraordinary mm. video put out by Ranas where they were focused on Lasse Berg Jonsson, sort of kicking Andreas Sheldrup off, an, yeah. off a cliff. And yeah. <laughs> it was all very bizarre. And you, you felt like if there was one player you didn't want to upset before uh, a game of this magnitude, it's Andreas Sheldrup, who's just magnificent. And of course, Norgeland came out all guns blazing. You know, they went down to 10 men for an hour of the game and still ran out 2-0 winners. Brilliant opening goal by Rocco Ascone and Benjamin Nigren, who's, who's someone who we've been kind of waiting to waiting to hit the heights that he did in, in Sweden. He came through with a really well-taken second goal. And it feels like nothing can stop this title charge from, from Norgeland at the moment. They're playing well, uh, and uh, as you said, they play uh, one hour or so, uh, one man less. Uh, it's quite a task against uh, a good uh, runners team. But you know, they're defending so well. Of course, they also had this little bit of luck that you need. Uh, runners had some chances. Also, the woodwork were against uh, runners, if we can say that in that way. Um, but Norseland, very determined team. Now they were missing uh, Nuama. Uh, against Anders and what they put in Ascona for his first start and he scores after yeah less than two minutes I mean that's uh, promising and and as you mentioned Nukrain if they also can get him rolling I think he had a very very tough start at FC Neuschland this year I mean he has looked like um, a part of the puzzle that doesn't really fit uh, mm. he had a good game I think it was the last one last season against the AGF in Aarhus where he also scored um, but this season he has not played much, but a very uh, well taken goal. The last one, I mean, um, then obviously they also have uh, Fakir on a loan, very promising striker. He's injured at the moment, so they have more options now. So it's going to be real exciting. But I think the big test is uh, these coming two games without uh, Nagalo in uh, defense, especially against FC Midtjylland away, not the next round, but the one after that. Oh wow! I didn't realize it was a two-game ban. Yeah, mostly if if you get a, a straight red, uh, it's uh, two two games. Wow! Yeah, it's a real shame for for Norgeland because they've got two red cards in two games, and both red cards were by the letter of the law they were reds, but they weren't malicious, dangerous tackles. They were just clumsy, and yeah, yeah they, they're going to have to cope with that. And Nagalo is so important to their build-up, his range of passing and his ability on the ball. I think is really key to what they do. And he's also like a, a warrior down there. He's taking up all the fights. He's very good in the air, so strong. Eric Markson did well when he came in uh, against his former club in, in Ranas. Um, but he's another kind of player, you know. 
uh, he, he's not as strong and he's very experienced and I think he can uh, cover in a, in, in a very good way. But um, no matter what, it will be um, a weakened FC Neuschland side that we'll see for the, the coming two games. And then there's also this about Oliver Villas and see if this injury, he, he, he was forced to leave the field against Lanners. If he's also missing, then um, yeah, you have some uh, question marks. Definitely. Well, we will watch and see whether they can keep this form up, but it's been really impressive watching them this season. The next game was a, a real thriller, five-goal thriller oh. in Horsens uh, as they entertained Silkeborg. And once again, Horsens seemed to be able to pull these results against big or successful teams out of the bag. And despite Sebastian Jorgensen looking really on back on to fire, his best, yeah. best form on fire, Horsens came out with a 3-2 win. Yeah, uh, I mean, Horsens, it's, uh, they keep impressing us. Uh, and I don't know if we should be impressed anymore in, in that sense that this is this is actually what Horsens uh, are able to do. I mean, we should maybe not be that surprised because they have quality um, on the pitch, also on the bench with uh, Jens Berlasco as a, a very good uh, manager. Um, they are so organized. They're hard to play against. They have a good goalkeeper. They have these defenders that can also score goals, as we saw with uh, Gomez. We have seen uh, many times with uh, Manus Jensen, who was missing in this game, uh, and they cope with that. So, I mean, um, they keep on picking up points, and that's also why Obi have to be very buried. Hosen don't look like a team that's going to stop up picking points now and then. No, exactly. They've, they've got this real fighting mentality. And when you saw that, that goal by James Gomez, the way that he chested it and turned and, and volleyed it in, that was like a striker's finish. So when, you're, when your defenders can do that. <laughs> and not just a strike in the Super League. I mean, this was much higher level. Um, but he's also a standout player. And mm. I would be amazed if he was there um, next year. I mean, that should come a club in for him. There was also this a talk about him going to uh, Norway last transfer window. He uh, rejected an offer. He said, no, uh, I want to stay and I want to play for a better club. I am waiting for a better offer. And, and I would assume that an, a better offer would arrive for him because he is um, he's a very good player, very good defender. And we see him let us, I don't know if you remember this guy, Bubuka Sané, who used to play for Horsens. And then he was transferred to, to FC Midtjylland and, help them win the, the championship, um, this dramatic season where, where Brunby lost it in the last couple of rounds uh, against Holton, obviously. But this uh, Bupa Kassane, he also scored a goal and a 1-0 win for Michelin at Brunby Stadium. He was this same guy, you know, uh, so strong. And I think this uh, James Gomez is a similar story. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting that he turned down that move while, you know, Kasper Tengstedt made the move. And if you look at what he's been doing in Norway, I don't think he's going to be sticking around there too long. But it does make you think if he'd if he'd stuck around in Horsens for this half year on the kind of form he's on in, in the Elita Serie. He's a very good player. Um, but I think that we also have to keep in mind that the Norwegian league is, um, is bad. I don't know how we rate the Super League, but... Definitely the Norwegian league is is worse, as we have also seen with some of the signings that have come from uh, Norway. They had a bit of problems uh, adapting. Um, Sibyl Onsen in, in Brøndby is, um, is the first name that pops up in my head. Got it. 
<laughs> well, Horsens did what FC Copenhagen couldn't and, and scored a late penalty to win it. And yeah, their season continues to look quite rosy. Depending on how the transfer window goes, they could get dragged back down into it. But for the moment, I think you're right that we should start expecting this kind of level from them. And I think they're going to continue to take points from uh, from teams that we might consider yeah, uh, better I on mean, the pitch. They can be dragged into this relegation battle and, and I don't think they will uh, survive by a mile. But uh, it will probably be until one of the last days, you know. But I don't see them like getting this bleep and don't picking up points in four or five games in a row. Well, on to what I think was the game of the weekend. I'd be interested to know if you agree, but AGF 2, Bromby 2, and this felt like the volume was turned up, not just in terms of the noise in the stadium, but on the pitch. It was just full. Everyone had had their Red Bull before the uh, mm-hmm. before the kickoff, clearly. Yeah, don't say Red Bull and Bromby. <laughs> <laughs> But they have a history of these two clubs, you know. In in the late 80s, uh, Brunby was this uh, new club coming up and uh, from from nowhere, basically, and taking on uh, AGF. They had some uh, yeah battles in the late 80s. They were the two dominating clubs. Also in the mid-90s, there was a season. Um, so there's a bit of history. Um, and, and I know... Uh, Aarhus fans, AGF fans, they, they love to beat uh, Brunby and, and they almost did. But it was, um, it was a very uh, entertaining game. I don't know if I would say it was a good game, but entertaining it was as it almost always is when, when these two clubs meet. Absolutely. And it felt like, once again, Brumby's new signings were the ones who really sort of really kind of stood out yeah that for the first goal Nikolai Valleys combined really nicely with Ohi and there was a disallowed goal that Vas scored that was really well taken as well so I feel like they did a great job in the last few weeks of the transfer window uh, and that's that's propped them up but they're still very much in the tail end of the of the table yeah and then I think we also have to talk about this uh, cup game they had in another part of uh, Aarhus against uh, Aarhus where they lost 4-0 to this uh, Division two team, a good Division two team, yes, but I mean, should never be humiliated like that. I mean, oh, that was um, that was a tough one. They um, changed, I think, the whole team. Only Matt Grave was the only survivor, if I could say, from the lineup against those family. And as you mentioned, Daniel Vass, I think also he had a foot in the first goal. Him playing Balis, uh, mm-hmm. that's quality. But, you know, they are struggling picking up the points. They are now they're really suffering because they had these three games at home where they threw away two points in the last minutes against uh, Ramas, against Lungby, against FC Copenhagen. I mean, the story about Brøndby would be different if they had picked like at least two wins up instead of two draws. So they are really under pressure. Um, a lot of stuff going on at Brøndby, you know at the moment uh, with the club about the selling also with all the fans what direction shall Brunby go so it's um it's a big story yeah it feels like a strange time for them at the moment they were rescued on the on the weekend by Christian Kapis coming off the bench and going to be speaking to his father actually in part two who traveled over for the, the previous week but yeah he came off the bench scored a nice goal but the question that was being asked uh, quite a lot on social media afterwards was should AGF's second goal have stood that there was a, a ball kind of 
swung into the area and and headed home by Mortensen and Hermanson was in a a bit of a tussle with someone and I, I wondered what your take on that incident was was it 50-50 or should that one have been ruled out I mean it was a corner uh, and so there was this tussle uh, as you say with uh, Brandhoff and uh, he's like holding his arm like locking it uh, so so he has a problem moving Hermanson is also uh, pushing a little bit um, I'm not a referee, um, but I do understand why uh, Mass Amazon was uh, quite angry afterwards. And I understand that uh, the Brunby fans um, were also um, disappointed that, that the goal stood. Uh, I mean, by the letter of, of the law, and they also checked it on bar. You can probably say, okay, there was this tussle. It was both parts, and, and he did let go before the ball came in. Um but I understand uh, why um, they think that the goal should have been disallowed. Yeah, yeah, it was a game of fine margins. You know, it could have gone could have gone either way, and in the end, a point for each side is probably a fair reflection. It is, it is. I mean, Bromby um, did come back well. Uh, I guess started the game very well, um, but it is as if they are running a little bit out of steam during the games like they cannot uh, withhold this uh, energy on the wrestler and and they needed this point as well i guess um they also are having a tricky period sounds like they need more energy drink that i will not name <laughs> <laughs> maybe you can get them as a sponsor for this podcast <laughs> uh, surely it has to be faxa condi yeah, yeah, it also tastes bad, I must say. <laughs> the final game was last night, actually, Alborg against Viborg. And the game started and it looked like looked like Alborg might have found the, the, the formula. Anderson was linking up well with Sousa and it was a fantastic cross for that opening goal. And, you know, the crowd were, were really up for it. And you thought, oh, is, th- is this it? And sure enough, <laughs> Viborg found their, their usual fighting spirit and quality to come back and came away with... What ended up being quite a resounding victory? Yeah, you're you're praising Albon now, and and they were playing well in the in the first uh, twenty minutes. Um, but after that, I think it was a, a very bad performance uh, from their side. I think we have to speak a little bit about Ramkile. That's a, a funny story. He's uh, twenty four years old. He used he was a very big talent uh, in the youth setup um, at OB. He had a very uh, troubled career with a lot of injuries. Even in his young age, he was um, he signed he was signed for QP, QPR and oh, he, wow. he played one game for them um, in yeah a couple of years and then he, he was released when his contract uh, ran out. Um, he was training with uh, Orbe, his former club, and then they signed him on a deal here in this uh, autumn. But this game, he's 24 now. There was the first time he uh, started a game on a senior level. It was his 11th game in uh, total, his second goal. He scored the first one one week ago in the cup against uh, Venlose. It was a good goal, but it also tells about the situation, you know, in Albo, that they had to sign this um, player <laughs> on a free transfer that had this troubled career. I know that he was a big talent, but I mean, it also tells a story about the situation in, in Albo. Yeah, they've tried Four different options, I think, at striker this season. You know, Ementa, mm. Makaric, Ross, and and now Ramkill. And, and even uh, Bakis, 
uh, up front as well against Olungbu. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so you do feel like in January they're going to have to find someone there because if their team has anything, it's good service from midfield. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not too optimistic when I when I see this uh, OB team. I mean, people keep talking about oh, they have these quality players, uh, Lucas Anderson, uh, uh, Eva Fossum, you name them, um, Lucas Prip. But, you know, they're not really producing at the moment. That's a problem. Um, we're talking about players who, who in the past uh, were very good, but, but we haven't really seen it uh, this season. And then, obviously, a uh, bit unlucky about the goals. Um, Theo Sander, this uh, young, promising uh, goalkeeper, the half 17 years old, he, he made quite a, a blunder for the second one, and that uh, cost them uh, a point. Yeah, I think he probably could have done better for the third one as well. I'm always hesitant to criticise young yeah. players because I think he's been thrown into a particularly difficult situation. You know, for, exactly. for a young prospect coming through, they say, right, here are the gloves. We're in a relegation <laughs> battle. <laughs> it's not the ideal environment. And I think that he has shown in some other games that he's got quality. But yeah, those two goals in particular, I think uh, he, he's not going to have a nice week thinking back on that. But I still think he's a quality player. Just he is. He is. And mentally, he's also, I think he's uh, taking it very well. He's not like trying to avoid interviews. He was uh, standing, I don't know if you can say, like a man uh, when he's only 17 and answering these questions uh, and also saying, okay, this went wrong. So so I think that's a, a positive sign. I don't know about number three. Yeah, on a good day, he, he would have said that as well, uh, no doubt. Um, but I think the, the interesting thing is how, how he reacts. Now they play on Sunday against Brunby in Brunby Stadium in front of Susan. Oof. Yeah, that, that's going to be that's going to be unbelievable. I mean, how do they survive this situation? How do they get out of this mess that they're in? That's a good question. That's a very good question, and I think it's a question they are they're asking themselves uh, at the moment. I mean, it's hard to do a lot now. Um, now they have to just to try to to get some points in the last games, and then Eric Hamrein has some time to to work in the winter. In the winter break and they also have obviously a possibility to 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 sign some players but it's also a club without a sporting director at the moment Ingen Olsen he he stopped there earlier this autumn so so I mean there's so many things uh, at OB where where you are like feeling it's it's not going in the right direction we spoke about Brunby earlier about this um, a lot of things happening at the club the same can be be said about uh, OB and and they are definitely struggling you know they have been ever present in the Super League but but if they don't put themselves together it might change yeah and as we've seen the the first division is particularly difficult to get out of so they don't don't want to find themselves in that situation <laughs> but perhaps we should spend a, a little bit of time just talking about Viborg who are now second in the table uh no one predicted this at the beginning of the season you know we we talked last week about how they'd lost lost key players and kept going. Yeah. And I think this was just another example of, of, of them sticking to their game and, and their overall quality as a, as a unit coming together to, to take the three points. Yeah, it's different class, different class, I must say, from, from the whole club, from the, from the players, from the manager, from the, from the staff. They're doing uh, remarkably well. Um, you have, um, yeah... It's two months ago they lost their last game and it was against West Ham. I mean, it tells everything, doesn't it? Um, yeah. I also had, as you uh, said earlier, I also had these doubts about Vibol before the season, second season syndrome, 
then they were losing Christian Sørensen, then they lost uh, Lundvik, and still they are they are delivering on a on a very high note. Um, you have this guy Anton Guy on the right back. Yeah, had a great game uh, last night. Uh, also set up a goal, the first one for for Gro. Um You have Jeppe Kroning, obviously you know him. Um, all they're working so hard, and then combined with with some uh, quality. And it makes just a great team. Yeah, I think last night as well, Ibrahim Saeed looked looked very dangerous. I think he's uh, he's been a real breath of fresh air for this team as well. So, yeah, I think if they can if they can maybe just get a bit of strength in depth in January, mm-hmm. a backup striker and maybe a, another creative midfielder, I think they'll be in great shape going into the the business end of the season. Yeah, and, and also like holding on to the current squad. That's also a thing, you yeah. know, because, because when, when small teams, as, as we can call Weeble, when they are doing well, obviously there will be interest from uh, other clubs. We also see now with uh, Jesper Felder, uh, the sporting director, uh, there's ongoing talks with uh, Anderlecht about him uh, going to, to Brussels to, to become the sporting director there. I mean, that would be uh, a bit of a blow for Vibo if if that should happen. So, I mean, it's also about this, how can we keep this uh, squad together? I mean, they have to sell uh, now and then, but they have already done uh, this season. And, and uh, yeah, 2 million euros for Longvine and 1 million for Christian Sands. And so, so I think they are home safe for, for now. Yeah, that's a nice little nest egg. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this season, I think I'm right in saying there's one fewer European place in the Danish yeah. league. So, does that mean that it's third or fourth where the, the real competition begins? I mean, you have the champion goes, obviously, to, to the Champions League playoff. And then we have three places, all of them going to the Conference League. One place goes to, to the cup winner. Um, so number two is guarantee a place. But it's all number three could be in this uh, playoff game yep. against the number number seven. Wow. So, so I mean, it's a, it's a tough way. It's a long way. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't think we should expect Vibo in in Europe next season. But uh, who knows? Yeah. Well, the fans already have their passports stamped from this year. So hopefully, hopefully they can get them out again. Next Some year. great fans they have. We also must praise uh, the Vibo fans. They are they're really great and they are lightening up this league. Absolutely. Yeah. I had such a good time in London when they they came over. And I think that next year I'm gonna I'm gonna really make an effort to go over and and see Vibo at home just because I think they're a re- really special club. Against Midland, huh? Pick up. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah, it would be. It's a good uh, thing. Maybe it's even the second biggest game now in Danish football. I mean, uh, when you look at derbies, yeah. obviously you also have Copenhagen against Midland and and all that, and AGF against Brøndby as I mentioned, but. If you look at derbies, you have the Copenhagen derby, and then I would say that the second one must be that. Amazing. Let's look forward briefly to the weekend's games and, and get some predictions. First up, Norgeland play Horsens. Is this going to be another opportunity for Horsens to upset the upset the odds? Well, they did uh, when they met in Horsens, but it's also a, a big possibility for Norgeland to to uh, yeah have a. I don't know how many points there would be in front if the win. Uh, six points in front of Vipo and yeah, uh, a lot more to uh, FC Midtjylland and, and FC Copenhagen. So, I mean, it's, um, it's a great chance. And, and Norgeland, they have to show us that they can break down a solid unit that is standing on their own uh, yeah, area almost. What's your score prediction? 
Poof, um, I would say 2-1 to Nochelin. Nice. Okay, I, I would I would agree with that. Next up is Rennes against FC Copenhagen. Now, this is going to be a really interesting one because it's not an easy place to pick up points. Well, Rennes had some uh, problems lately and they have been letting in goals uh, from everywhere. I think that they have conceded either two or three goals in the last five or six games. Uh, that's not very Rennes-like, but obviously we don't know how Copenhagen will... Um, yeah, fair against uh, Sevilla, uh, Sevilla um, this night in the Champions League. Might pick up another injury. <laughs> you never know. It could be a draw, you know. But I mean, FC Copenhagen really need to turn some of them draws into wins. I mean, FC Co haven't lost in five matches, but they still find themselves eighth in the table. Neistop, he he said um, after the game against Midtjylland, he was he was talking about that this team he he inherited uh, had lost like sixty percent of the games in the Super League, and uh, now they have lost uh, under him a zero, but they have only also won twenty five percent. That's uh, the other side of the coin, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Prediction would be hard. One uh, one sounds a bit boring. Uh, so either one one or uh, a narrow win for Copenhagen. Interesting. Okay, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two all for this one, only because mm-hmm. Rannes are the third ranked third for goals scored per match. So I reckon that they've got a few goals in them, and I think that you know FC Co have a a really big game tonight in the Champions League against Sevilla, and I think that that might might take something out of their legs. And I don't yeah. think they can ro- particularly in central defence. They can't rotate too heavily at the moment. So no, yeah, that, sure. that might just tip the balance. Actually, I also think that Cochulada is out with a suspension. For, for the oh, game. Yeah, he is. So, so, I mean, they are, I don't know if it's, it will be Kevin Dix or whatever they do. Yeah, have to see. Then it's over to Lungbu as they play AGF. And it's hard to look at any Lungbu game at the moment and not predict the other team <laughs> to win. But AGF showed, I mean, I think they've won their three previous games against Lungbu. So, who knows? It's also, you, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, um, uh, it's a, in a way, it is a little bit tough match for AGF because everybody will say they have to win this game, you know, and they have really been struggling winning games uh, lately. Uh, I don't know how like, it was against Albo they won, but apart from that, in September, the first game under Hamre, but apart from that, they had a, a real tough spell. And, and now there will be expectation you have to win against Lungbu, you know. So um, it could be tricky. I, I don't see Lungbu winning of this game, but I don't know if they maybe can nick a point. Hmm. <laughs> okay. I'm going gonna, gonna to say 1-0 AGF. 1-0 AGF. I think Lungbu will score. I think I'll go for uh, 1-1. Fantastic. Okay, we'll be watching that one closely. <laughs> the next game, I really can't call. It's Silkeborg at home to Viborg. Fourth versus second. And this one, you could flip a coin. Yeah, exactly. You could do that. And Silkeborg also have this uh, European night on Thursday. They play West Ham. Yep, I'm going to that one. Yeah, you're going. Oh, have a, it's going to be interesting to see if they, they can do anything there. I, I doubt it. Um, but coming back after this European uh, game to play Vibo, I think uh, I, I, I think Vibo um, will uh, nick a point here. Yeah. Okay. So you're calling yes. that one a draw. Yeah. I'm going to say they're going to get all three Vibo. 
I oh. just I think the European game is is going to be big because they have to give it everything this week against West Ham because th- there's, I think there's they need to win against West Ham really yeah they cannot uh, use uh, a draw for anything if we assume that Anderlecht will beat this very bad FCSB side then they need to win in order to have the advantage uh, before the last game against Anderlecht. Exactly. Another one that's particularly challenging to call is Bromby against Alborg. Can you see anything other than a draw here? Yes, I can see a Bromby win. I oh, okay. Will, I think they will win 2-0. Wow, okay. Emphatic. Yeah, yeah um, but, but I mean, I think Bromby in the Superliga has been playing, um, I don't know, in spells of the game better than, than the points tally. So I think they have the quality to do what is needed against an OB side that I don't see a lot of policy there. Can I surprise you with a stat? Yeah. <laughs> Alborg have kept the most clean sheets in the Superliga this season. Yeah? Really? <laughs> yep. Whoa. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good one. That's a, after Patrick Kalgan has uh, stopped uh, making clean sheets, yeah? <laughs> it's, a, it's a good one. Um, but I don't think, I cannot see them uh, keeping a clean sheet in Brunby. Fair enough. I, I'm going to go 2 1 Bromby. Final match is on Monday Michelin against Obi. I mean, traditionally, um, Michelin, they are normally very good against uh, Odense at their own ground. Obi, they have this, they will be uh, missing Gigovic, who was sent off also. We could talk about the referee there. Mm-hmm. And they actually filed a complaint against this uh, second booking, but they filed the complaint too late. So it cannot be uh, looked at. So, I mean, he will definitely be missing uh, Tversko, I think. There should be a, a decent chance for him coming back. That would uh, strengthen the team. But I, I, I go for 2-1 for Michelin. Okay. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go three one just because Michelin's problem this year seems to be keeping goals out rather than scoring them. They do seem to score quite a lot. And I think that I'm still waiting on Isaacson to yeah. click and Kaya's sort of coming back into form. So I think that, you know, that this could be one game where they really uh if they all come together at the same time, I think three goals is is perfectly they, possible. They won, uh, five one in the opposite game, but that was also like they were scoring goals from yeah 30 meters and 25 <laughs> minutes it was a crazy game you know the first yeah. one after after the second of uh, Bohen Lexen. yeah 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 they've found their feet quite well there thank you so much Gisler we've, uh, oh, no we, we've talked through the weekend's action previewed what's coming up so all that's left to do is to enjoy the European football that's coming up this week and then buckle up for Superliga to be back on on Friday but thank you so much for joining me and um, hopefully, no, hopefully you'll do it again in the future no problem I'm, I'm just glad to um, participate in this about this uh, crazy league that we call the Superliga <laughs> fantastic well thank you and catch you next time no problem that was Gisla Thorsen of Mediano coming on Danish Dynamite, the Superliga pod, to talk about all of the recent action in the Superliga. Coming after the next break is part two, where we'll be in conversation with Jay Kappis. Jay, welcome to the show. Great to speak to you. You recently returned to the US from your Copenhagen trip. Has the adrenaline worn off yet? Yes, I finally fell asleep for about 48 hours the other day. It's just that, but that was exactly the way it went. I hit the ground running and I never slowed down. So I didn't have that jet lag feeling that you always expect, but it was just too exciting. So, but apparently I stored it all up and took it out at the end here. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me a bit about the trip, you know, when you planned it, how you prepared for it, and then Mm. I guess how it panned out. 
gosh, so I've been trying to find the best time to go there for a couple of years. Certainly, we wanted to be over there when Christian was at Hobro. Um, but he had a pretty high standard of what he wanted us to come for. Um, and so he was like, you don't, please don't come until I'm ready to show you something. And so, you know, it was, uh, there was these periods of time where he was in the side and then not in the side and then in the country and then not in the country. And there was just all sorts of drama that goes on around there. So when he moved to Bronby, that kind of stabilized a little bit, but at the same time he had a job to do. So we didn't want to distract and do those things. So, um, earlier this, uh, this fall, I was looking at the, at the uh, schedule and I realized that first Derby over in Copenhagen was already done. And that meant that, yes, you kind of hope that we're both in the top six and we'll have some more Derbies later on in the second round in the playoff round, but you know, there's nothing guaranteed. And I realized I have maybe one shot at this this year. So just kind of made the decision and went for it. And, uh, it couldn't have worked out better. Yeah, I was actually at that first derby of uh, of the oh, season that's right. where, where he scored. Yes, so you got to see him score, and I didn't. That was <laughs> like wrong somehow. No, but I'm glad you were there, so you got a chance to experience that whole thing. So that was good. What was it like, kind of seeing such a big game in person, having watched so many from behind a screen? It was amazing. I was really surprised at how. You know, the, on the screen, it's this massive stadium, and it is a massive stadium, but it's designed in such a way that you felt like you were right there. It's really cozy. Um, we had decent seats behind the bench, and, you know, it was just it was a chance for us to see and experience everything from the TV commentators before the game to the spray of the sprinklers at halftime. So, I mean, we got the whole experience. I think my only uh, wish would have been that we had kind of gotten the full crowd participation experience of it. So I now have a reason to go back for another Derby because I know that it was a bit muted not having away fans in the in this in the stadium. And I know that there's some ongoing challenges with the supporters and, and their support, you know, how they want to make their feelings known to the club about the potential sale or sale of some of the shares of the club. And so there's a bit of that going on. So I had a great time. It was as good an experience as I've ever had. And yet everyone around me was like, we're so sorry. He's like, this should have been three times what you experienced. I'm like, what? Okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm willing to go back for that. That's great. In the first derby of the season, of course, Christian started. In this one, he was on the bench. It must have been nerve-wracking for you, kind of waiting for the moment where he comes on. It was. You just never know. It's like In certain games, you can kind of predict whether he'll go on or not um, based on the way the game is going. And honestly, he rarely goes on the field if he doesn't start when they have a lead because his strength seems to be, or at least their confidence in his strength seems to be in his attacking skills. And so I was uh, thinking they're ahead one zero. Um, I was expecting them to kind of lock the ship down and do it. And so when he went in, it was, it was really exciting. And then to kind of see the growth that he's made, I haven't seen him play live in probably four years, four plus years. And so to see the growth that he's made and see it in person, is different than when you see it on television. So that was really exciting. Yeah, it must have been incredible hearing his name announced, which you you know you get as a substitute, and um, yeah, and hearing the crowd go with that. Like for a father, I can imagine that must be a, a very proud moment to hear that in in person for the first time. Yeah, very much so. Um, I will say that the fans have always done a great job of including me in what they do for all their players, not just Christian, but you know for Christian in particular. I will get video of the cheer that they do before the game for all the starters. So on those games he starts, I'll see the cheer for him and how they, how he leads it. And then I got to see 
you know, what happens on the goals and stuff from cameras inside the stadium where people like post their video of it from their phones and stuff. So I've gotten a chance to see that, but to experience it live, to see that, to have gone to the game with him, seeing kind of how it all starts out at the beginning of the day and then to go home with him afterwards and see how that kind of works out and some cases not work out. Um, but, uh, you know, it was all, it was all such a full comprehensive experience that I kind of, I kind of feel like, I couldn't have designed it better than that with the exception of maybe one goal. <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, it's been, I have to say, it's been amazing seeing how the Bromby fans have really embraced you on Twitter. What's been mm-hmm. your kind of experience of firstly them discovering that you're on Twitter and then them <laughs> kind of taking you into their fraternity? There's really never been any friction on getting in. Um, there was one gentleman who, when I, when Christian first signed his contract, I, I kind of had to figure out how I was going to get information about Bronby and it became quickly evident that they're all on Twitter, not on Facebook, which everybody my age is on. And so I switched over and I just kind of posted, you know, it's like, Hey, super excited. I'm looking forward to seeing how he grows. And somebody just reached out and said, who are you and how are you related to Christian Kappas? And we kind of, you know, start struck up a conversation over time. Other people joined in the conversations and then they started, they started to include me at a level where I kind of lost my feeling of being a father of a player and just kind of realizes like, I'm a fan of these people. I'm a fan of these uh, group that supports them. I'm a fan of the way the club was playing at the time. I'm like, I'm it's like, there's just so much to just truly enjoy about it. So, and they've been really open and warming and you know, it, it's Twitter. Um, so every once in a while you get trolls who does a drive by and you know, you're, you have a choice in how you're going to respond. But I will say that, that the Ron B fan base is very good about policing their own um and they kind of all step in so i don't really feel the need to do anything in, t- in terms of response i don't respond but you know i wouldn't i don't even worry about it because i know it's being taken care of by the local um, <laughs> bands you know yeah. like it's yeah hey they they're like that's not that's not right stop doing that sort of thing and i, I love them for having that kind of ownership of my relationship with the club and and them that's fantastic. Yeah, I have to say that in general, my experience of Danish football Twitter has been, feels like a much friendlier place than football Twitter in general. Um, <laughs> but but I did wonder, you know, how do you deal with seeing negative or critical comments of Christian, not necessarily directed to you, but just kind of out mm-hmm. there? It must be quite difficult because you've seen how much effort he puts into this. And, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. a negative comment can come from one misplaced past or one missed shot and someone will say something. How do you kind mm-hmm. of brush that off? I guess I've been around the game long enough to know that these moments happen. And, you know, as a former player, you have to learn how to get past those yourself and kind of just apply the same thing to those mm-hmm. sorts of things that happen to Christian as well. Um, you can't dwell on them. Um, you have to learn something from everything. And you know, I, I just, I'm kind of one of those people that believes, you know, it's like the, the fans have a right to express their frustration. You know, they have the right to, to say some of these things. Now there's some people who go way overboard and, you know, take it way too personally. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's really nothing they're doing that's affecting my breathing. They're not doing anything that's affecting his breathing. And, you know, if it, if it was made them feel better for a second to get it off their chest and, and some of it's fair, right? He's like, he's not perfect. Um, you know, the players all do their best, but you know, if they were, if they were absolutely perfect, they would be in a different place and a different contract. Right. So it's a part yeah. of the process. And um, I think that by having that kind of, that kind of ability to kind of put it all in context, I try to be respectful of the people who are saying it to the degree that they deserve um, and then ignore the rest. 
Um, I think I've, I think in all my time, I've only ever muted one particular individual. The rest of them I can listen to because they're at least thinking through things step by step or logically. It's it's really interesting to watch. Um, and then, like I said, the fan base will always, almost always, wade back in and weigh the other side of that conversation without me having to do anything. So it's it's all fine. It's all taken care of. That's a very mature way to look at it, I guess. I I I think that footballers obviously get a lot more criticism than than you or I. If there was someone, mm-hmm. you know, looking over my shoulder at work all day and and tweeting whenever I got something wrong, I think I would. I uh, I'd take it a lot more to heart. So I think yeah. that you know you probably develop that thick skin. Yeah, um, you have to. Are you planning on standing on the south side next time you go? I really want to. I really, really do. So, uh, you know, it's, I, I didn't know enough about what I did and didn't know this time. And so I was with the families and on the side. And I did go over to uh, what's called the Hooten, um, which is kind of a, a, a get-together area just outside the stadium where all the Ronby fans go. And I love this phrase. They go to warm up before the game. <laughs> and so I, uh, I got a chance to go over and spend time with them there. So I got a chance to be with the fans, and that was a lot of fun. But I would like to be when the Bromby fan base is at full voice. I would love to stand in there and jump and have a good time with them because they are they are special. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- th- they do create this very intense, very mm-hmm. um, well supported atmosphere uh, mm-hmm. wherever they go around the country, but especially at home. I think they've got a home advantage, probably more so than any any team yeah. does. And I was um, I was surprised at how well they supported the European competitions too. It's like they emulated. Mean, playing loads of yeah. people that went and you know in some cases were challenging the home crowds for voice you know it's like it's just <laughs> they take it they take it as you know it's like we're we're going to do everything we can to lift our club up and it doesn't matter how well or how bad it's going we're here you know they they have that you know never alone phrase um outside their stadium and that's what those fans try to provide it's really cool absolutely and what else did you do on the trip outside of the game? You know, did you get to see much of the city uh, and experience um, the people of Copenhagen? Yeah, I kind of wanted to spend time with Christian and his wife, kind of seeing how they live and what they do. And so we did get out into the city, which was great. I got to experience the restaurants and places and areas that they like to shop. And we were down in the Newport area, um, kind of getting to see the boats and um, experience like the, the concert hall, um, the opera house, I can't remember what it is. Um, and then the palace and some of the other things as well in that area. And I got to eat at like the oldest restaurant in Copenhagen when I was there with one of my hosts. And it was just, I mean, the experience overall was tremendous. It wasn't just in the apartment. It wasn't just at the game. So, um, and I never realized architecturally that most of this area that we were in, the buildings were like a couple centuries old because yeah. they've been maintained so well. You're like, that doesn't look like it could possibly be. And they were giving me history lessons. I'm like, well, no, this area remained relatively intact for that entire two centuries. So it's not as hard to maintain them when you don't have to worry about lots of other challenges that other cities in Europe had. Exactly. Wow. And what's your kind of typical match day experience when you're back at home in the States? Oh, the first thing is to figure out, can I watch the game? So there's no official feeds um, license feeds in the U.S. here. Um, it wasn't until OneFootball.com last last fall, last spring, started um, streaming them. Um, I guess they have the ability to stream uh, games to any place that doesn't have it already licensed. So, like if you're in Denmark, you can't use it because there's already you know rights given. But in the U.S., since there's no rights, I can watch it there. So that's good. But like I couldn't see 
the uh, the cup game on Wednesday. Um, so and you know, and then when they're in Europe, you know, you have to get to a different channel. So that's usually the first thing is just kind of figuring out. It's like, are we going to be able to see it? How do we see it? And getting that up and running. But because it's so much earlier here, it's really kind of like a morning experience. You get up and you you find the game, and then you make your breakfast, and then you sit, and you know, afterwards you go to church, and you know, it's just it's it's a slightly different way of doing things than we've ever done it. But uh, it's it's amazing to actually turn on the television and watch your son play after all those years of turning on the television and watching everybody else play. So yeah, um, I try yeah, not I, to take it for granted. And I guess Twitter is the, the, the next best thing to being in the stadium, kind of watching along with that, albeit there, there tends to be a slight delay on the one football <laughs> thing. So you have to be a bit careful that you, you don't see any spoilers. So that's, so yeah, so that's a funny story. No one's ever touched on that before. You're, 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 you're spot on. Cause like I have access, um, I have the Braun B app. And every once in a while, the Brown B app will tell you what's about to happen, what happened right before it comes across one football. And you're like, no, it's like, <laughs> so you see the cross go in and you're like, no, I know that's not what I wanted. Or, you know, yes, we're going to come back. Right. And I was like, it, it's just this weird thing. So, you know, my second son and I um, always, you know, are yelling out loud, like, no, stop. Just, you know, take off our watch, leave our phone someplace else. The invention I'm, I'm desperate to, to happen is to be able to implement a, a delay in your Twitter timeline so that you can sync it up with the with you your go. stream. So if if you're listening Twitter, <laughs> please do this for all of us watching football from oh a distance. Goodness, when's the next trip? Gosh, that's a great question. I'm just trying to cover from this one. I would like to go back probably next fall. I would very much like to experience a derby, but I'd like to kind of maybe sandwich it in with a couple of games. So like, my fingers were crossed that they would do well enough this season and we'll see there's still time if they make it into the top six and then can kind of secure a Europe position. And if they can, I would make it try and make it a Europe slash Braun B week and go see a couple of games. Um, if not, then Braun B a cup game. So I think that's my best bet for right now. Cool. Well, I can't wait to see how the next trip tops this one. It's been great talking to you about the experience and it's nice to meet a fellow, uh, Watcher of the Superliga from, from from another country. So yeah, yeah. great to meet you, yeah. Jay. And thanks Thank you, for and you. thanks for talking. Absolutely. No, I appreciate the work that you're doing on the English language side of things. I think this is a unique league with some really dramatic possibilities that people will fall in love with if they give it a chance. So you said it. Checks in the post. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> That's all we got time for today. Thank you for listening. And as ever, if you want to check out all of the Football in Denmark content, head on over to footballindenmark.com, where there's going to be some pieces going up shortly that I'm working on. And you can find me on Twitter at footballindk. Come and have a chat about Danish football. Always happy to talk. And look forward to speaking to you all next week. Cheers.